Father, the things of God that all human hearts crave, Lord, all human hearts need, that they put aside all the things that they have, the things that they've been through, the things that they're going through, the things that have happened to them, Father, and that they know that there is something greater, someone who loves them and wants to heal them. Let us show them you, Father. Let your words take root in our hearts and grow, that we become the army of God we are called to be, not only to be soldiers, fathers, but warriors for the kingdom of God. I pray your blessing upon our pastor and his wife, Lord, upon Miriam's life and on her body, Father. Heal her body, Father. According to your word, it says, by your stripes we are healed. And we claim that healing for her, that her road to recovery will be swift, Father, will be a miraculous thing. And that she again will be with us, praising your holy name as the foundational stone that she has been set in this house. Father, we give you praise for them. Bless our pastor and the word that he's bringing forth. Those that teach and sing and play, whatever the job is in this house, Father, may it be today to edify and glorify your name and your name alone. This vessel, O Lord, empties herself to you, Father. Let your words be my words and your thoughts my thoughts, Lord. Let nothing come forth of me, only of you and what you have given me this day. Bless the hearers and especially the doers of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today, if I could give a title, I'll give you what God gave me, and it was a very interesting title. I've struggled and wrestled with it for a little bit. But simply, God told me, it says, the title should be The Prison of God. The Prison of God. And we serve a mighty, omnipotent God. And I find it hard that he could be imprisoned anywhere or for any reason. But he can because he gives us free will. We have the right and the privilege, unfortunately, to imprison him. A lot of times you hear it said, we put God in a box. And we do. But a lot of times a prison is not being confined, it's being excluded. That too is a prison. That is something that we all experienced or have at one point in our lives, being excluded. Today I want to talk to you about that prison. Because that is confinement as well. We keep him all week long. Out, sometimes out, out. And we come to church on Sundays and then we invite him in. And we come to visit and we come to celebrate. But on Monday and as soon as sometimes as soon as we walk out the door, he's not welcome again. He's excluded from our lives. And this is what he gave me to speak about today. We keep him from us in our homes We keep him from us when we're around our family and our friends. We keep him from us on the job. We keep him from us in the car. We limit him and thus put him in a prison by exclusion. 
We want him in our lives when it's beneficial, when I'm struggling, when I'm in pain, when I need a move of God, when I need something to happen despite how I may have gotten here. Then you'll see me in the house of God seeking God. Then you'll hear me in Walmart yelling out for God only because I wanted to. How often do we imprison him in our lives? Think about it. Just think about it. We put this all-powerful, almighty, the one who holds the beginning and the end, the one who sees our days and it's written in the book, and we limit him in our own lives. And we do it for many reasons. We do it for lack of faith. We do it because we're bitter, we're angry, simply don't want to go through whatever it is we're supposed to be going through for healing and for promotion. So we limit him. We don't want him to come into the places or the things or the thoughts or our hearts where he's going to change things. Sometimes we want to hang on to that struggle. We want to hang on to that anger and that bitterness, that root that has taken hold of us and is growing and becoming something massive in our lives. We're like, no, you can't come in here. You can't know. This is, this is all I know. This is who I am right now. This is my identity. And God says, I am more and you are more than what that was. We don't want to change because we identify with whatever that was. And we have this holy and righteous God who's, who's trying to help us be all that we can be and all that he has put us into place to be. He knows what you're called to be. He knows what you need. Sometimes we don't understand the struggle, but the struggle is not just to belittle you or to depower you or make you feel something less than who you are. No, baby, his intentions are always to make you stronger, to heal you, to bring you further into what he's called you to be. Because one day you may need my struggle, my victory, what I have overcome. You, I will be able to, to pour into your life what God did for me, if I allowed him to. Too many times we see the pain and we're like, oh, no, right now. And as I like to say, he comes in and he wants to turn the light on in that room. And you're like, oh, shut the door. No, I'm not ready for that yet. I have told him that. And then I have seen why he wanted to do it at that time. I've seen where it handicapped me and kept me from being able to operate in what I needed to do into someone else's life. Don't put him in prison in your own life. Don't leave him out. We all know what it's like to be locked out of something or left out or excluded. Not only does it hurt that feeling of rejection, 
But it's a feeling of unloved and unwanted and unneeded. Do we think about how we do that to him at times? Yeah, thousands of years ago, he sent his son to die for us. And that power still is powerful. That blood is still powerful today to the saving of souls and lives. But yet when we refuse to walk the path or to let him in, we're rejecting him. We limit him. You confine him to just what you want, how you feel, how you want him to behave towards you, the way you want to be treated. Have you ever been in an attitude and an atmosphere where you were excluded? It's not a very pleasant one to be in, is it? But yet he's constantly, constantly reaching for us and and striving to help us be more than what we are. When you're excluded, it changes your your mental attitude altogether. You become uh, withdrawn physically and mentally. And I've experienced that in my work. It, It makes you behave and feel about yourself something different. And all the while, God is saying, just let me in. Let me help you. Let me show you. But I'm glad he doesn't give up easily on us. Thus mere humans. He's constantly pursuing us. Always making ways for us to find him. To be with him. To desire him. Because he knows in himself there is freedom. He understands that whatever that is has got us bound and got us tied. And we're not able to move in the freedom that we, he knows that we need and, and that we crave. And, and we hang on to what we think is familiar when all the time he's like, let it go. He's bondage for you. I've got something better. He desires not only for you to be free, but it is wholeness and completeness more than we would ever know. God sent his son, Jesus, for our salvation and the remissions of our sins, Matthew 26 and 28. And they're at the Last Supper. He's about, he's about to be taken. He's about to go to Gethsemane, and he's having his Last Supper with his disciples, and he's telling them, drink of this cup, said this, and eat, this is my body. This is this cup, he says in Matthew 28, I'm sorry, 26 and 28 says, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remissions of sin. And we, we, we think, we look at ourselves sometimes and the enemy tries to tell you, hey, you'll never get past this. You'll never be able to move on. But God's word said it was for the remission of sins. Remission means simply to forgiveness of sins. But even more, it's an exemption from the consequences of that sin. It's the penalty is suspended. It's gone. He's taken it for us. Jesus gave the command to preach repentance and remission of sins to his disciples in Luke 24. He's being taken up, but he's, he's telling them the last, some of the last words that he speaks to them here on earth as he's on earth. 
And he's telling them to go forth and preach. And he tells them, he says, thus is written, thus it is behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. It's freedom what he wants for you. It's freedom. So many times we look at our situations and we think, oh, I don't want to go through the pain and the struggle of that. But all he desires is freedom for you. So through Jesus and the new covenant, as we read, his sacrifice or his blood and the, sh- the death on the cross of Calvary, we have freedom from sin. But yet we want to put him in prison or exclude him from our lives. And I pray that you can see and understand what I'm teaching to you today for the word. For this is the word that God gave me Friday to speak about. John 8, if you'll move there, John 8, verse 31 through 36. I'm going to read a couple of those. Then Jesus said to the Jews which believed on him, remember, believed on him. If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It's that making part we don't like. I'll be free in certain areas, but you can't have all of them just yet, Lord. You're putting them in prison. Verse 36. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. What is it about freedom that we don't want? Why do we keep excluding him and keeping him imprisoned away from us? When all he's doing is trying to set you free from something that controls you. We refuse the truth. Excluding him day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. It's an ongoing process. I understand that. One room at a time. One day at a time. One mindset at a time. God told me as I was sitting here listening to someone else on Friday morning before I went to work. He took me to Revelations 3. He says, I'm knocking on the door. I'm knocking. Do you hear me? This is the time. It is now. Can I come in? This is a very famous passage in Romans 3, and he's talking to the churches. And he took me to Revelations 3 and 20. And he's talking to the church Laodicea. And he's talking to them about what is their issue, what he has against them, what they need to fix, what they need to let him in and let him do, and what they need to do. We'll start at 14. It says, And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen. 
the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot, so that then, because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth, because thou sayest, I am rich. And increased with goods, and have nothing need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art just wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. And I counsel thee to buy of me gold, tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness does not appear. And anoint the eyes with the eyes that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and I chastise. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Even I also overcame and I must sit down with my father in his throne. He that have an ear, let him hear what the Spirit say unto the churches. He's knocking. He's knocking. I got to looking at some of those, and it amazes me how he says that we think we have it all together, and we even may look like it. But he says, you're miserable, you're wretched, and you're poor. You're even naked, and you don't even know it. He says, I beg you to buy of me the gold that was used, that has been fired up, it's been purified. Baby, you're going to go through some stuff, and it's okay. He says, come and get this white garment that I have. It's my holiness. It's my righteousness. Open the door. He says, I'm knocking. I'm knocking. And the, the word in the Greek says that's not only is it an entrance or a gate, it's an opportunity. That door is just an opportunity. He says, if you'll hear me and open it, that's all you have to do is hear me and open the door and let me come in and sup with you or dine with you. And that word not only means to eat and to have supper with, but is to share in the most intimate, blissful contact that you can have. Private, personal time. He doesn't want to display these issues. He wants to, you and him to work it out together. It's not my job to announce what God is doing for you or needs to, what your problem is. I'll do it if he tells me to. I won't do it publicly unless he makes me. Don't make him call you out. I'm an old preacher's daughter. I remember in the middle of the sermon being called down in front of everybody. Not a nice thing. (laughs) But my dad did what he was supposed to do. God is wanting to do these things privately. But don't think he won't come to you publicly. Open the door. Take him out of the prison that you've got him in. 
Let him dwell and sup with you. Let him take that personal contact. That's simply what he told me to tell you today. He's knocking at the door. He's wanting in. But too many times we've got him excluded. I just come to see you on Sunday or when I have a problem. That's not what he's about. He wants you to be all that you're called to be. All that you have. Matthew 16 and 25 tells us, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. What are you saving yourself for? Saving yourself from the pain? Saving yourself from embarrassment? Well, let me tell you right now, the person that stands before you has nothing, has done probably more or just as bad as you have. What finger do I have? What stone do I have to throw at you? None. None. What are you saving yourself for? If you lose it for me, he says, you will gain it. You will have life. Acts 9, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about Paul, and he was brought to me in one of my studies this week. And Acts 9, 1 through 9, I won't read the whole story. We don't have time, but Paul was a man who had it all together. He was a very intelligent, well-known, had the best of everything in his own right in his day. He went to the best colleges, studied under the most famous people. Yet he had an experience with the Savior on the road to Damascus. He was going with the power of the people, of the religious people, to persecute the followers of Christ. I love that the name, if you look up the name Damascus, it means to tame. Or it is a tamer. And I love that when the light shone around him, it didn't make him blind, but it revealed his blindness. His spiritual blindness was revealed with the encounter of God, with Jesus. How many times have we put him away because we didn't want to encounter what he was trying to show us? If you start looking at yourself through the eyes of the word of God, you see the things that you have to change, that need to be changed. But praise God, I don't have to do them on my own. He'll let me. He'll help me. He'll guide me. He gives me the strength and the power to do what I need to do because I know within myself it can't be done. But I love it. Paul, if you read on, he had what when Ananias came to pray for him. He even suggested, he was like, Lord, are you sure this Paul is the one I'm supposed to go to? Because you know he's killing everybody that believes in you. And you sending me right in there? But he said when he prayed for him, as God told him, he said, you pray for him. He has a lot of work to do. He's going to take this on to the, to the Gentile nation. He has much to do and much to suffer for me. I think that's funny if you think about Paul suffering. 
we think we don't have to suffer at all because we're Christians, but that's not true. That's not true. That's another service. But when he prayed for him, they said it was like scales fell off his eyes. Three days he was blind. Scales fell off his eyes. All the time he's knocking. He knows what you need. I like in the, the words to the Laodicean church. It talked about taking an anointing, taking a salve and putting it on their eyes. In Exodus, Moses was instructed to make an anointing oil to anoint the temple with. And it had very specific instructions. But it was to be used for medicinal purposes as well, and only it alone. Healing, medicinal, medicine. The salve, to me, is the Holy Spirit, is God's salvation, is blood. When you apply it to your life, it not only saves you, but heals you and makes you whole and complete. But we're so many times pushing it off, pushing it away. I don't want you in here, Lord. No, I'm not ready to heal myself. For I want to continue being broken. I want to continue. This is who I am. This is what I am. This is all people know about me. Poor pitiful me. You're limiting God. You're limiting God. He's called you to be something greater. He's knocking. He's knocking. He wants you to be an overcomer. If you go down to the last couple of verses, it says, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. I know this is Revelations, and this is talking about um, things that we tend to say is the future. But yes, it is. But it is also now. It's also a word that we can take now. Do you want to sit with him on the throne? You can have life, the Bible says, and life more abundantly. That's now. But we've got him imprisoned. We've got him excluded. He says, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit say. Listen to the Spirit. Do you have God in prison? Have you excluded him from places in your life, your home, your businesses, your cars, not just your heart, your family life? You work life. He's not just someone we come and visit on Sunday. He desires to be part of your everyday life. Every day, every minute, every second, every breath, he wants to be there with you. Don't put him in prison. He's knocking. Let him in. Father, we give you praise, glory, now, and we thank you for your word today. Help us, Lord Jesus, to understand and heed it. Give us wisdom. Let those words ring out to you, to us each and every one, at the right appropriate time. Let, let it be words that we feed on and grow and mature. Help us to be not only the army of God, not only soldiers of God, but warriors for the kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.